Welcome to the Earth Church. I'm Reverend Billy. We're not prepared for it. We're not prepared to recognize it even, or measure it, or name it. We can't live with it. We're not prepared to live without it. What is it? Is it a wave from outer space with the horizon rising up, a tsunami of nothingness for us? Is it years away or months away? We hear different dates. We think of it as being uncaring, impersonal, and yet intensely personal. It's the loss of our individual identity. Mass death. But it will have no news anchor. Mass death. But no special effects team. Mass death. But no legal team. Mass death. But no damage assessor, mass death. But no makeup artist, mass death. But no systems analyst, mass death. But no life coaches, mass death. But tenderness? Love? Yes, we have tenderness and love in the time of extinction. Peace, peace. I wish you vastness, vastness, 
In the last 150 years, the world has warmed on average by just over one degree Celsius. And our atmosphere now contains concentrations of carbon dioxide that have not been equaled for millions of years. We are today perilously close to tipping points that once passed will send global temperatures spiralling catastrophically higher. If we continue on our current path, we will face the collapse of everything that gives us our security. Food production, access to fresh water, habitable ambient temperature, and ocean food chains. And if the natural world can no longer support the most basic of our needs, then much of the rest of civilization will quickly break down. Please make no mistake. Climate change is the biggest threat to security that modern humans have ever faced. Hello. Welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. COVID-19 can be exacerbated by the presence of pollen. Pollen can suppress how the human immune system responds to viruses. By interfering with proteins that signal antiviral responses in cells lining the airways, it can leave people more susceptible to a whole host of respiratory viruses such as the flu and other SARS viruses. A new study looks specifically at COVID-19 to see how the number of new infections changed with the rise and fall of pollen levels in 31 countries around the world. On average, about 44% of the variability in COVID-19 case rates was related to pollen exposure, often in synergy with humidity and temperature. The infection rates tended to rise four days after a high pollen count. If there was no local lockdown, this infection rate increased by an average of about 4% per 100 pollen grains in a cubic meter of air. A strict lockdown cut the increase by half. This pollen exposure isn't just a problem for people with hay fever. It's a reaction to pollen in general. Even types of pollen that typically don't cause allergic reactions were correlated with an increase in COVID-19 infections. As the climate changes, this relationship between pollen and emergent viruses will become more and more problematic. Three factors are affecting pollen rates. The pollen starts earlier, lasts longer, and there is more of it. Legal cannabis production in Colorado emits more greenhouse gases than the state's coal mining industry. The production and use of cannabis for medical or recreational reasons is now legal in several U.S. states, which has led to a booming industry. Researchers have quantified and analyzed the greenhouse gas emissions produced by cannabis growers. They found that emissions varied widely by state, from 2.3 to 5.2 tons of carbon dioxide equivalent per kilogram of dried flour produced. In Colorado, the emissions add up to around 2.6 megatons of CO2, which is more than that from the state's coal mining at 1.8 megatons of CO2. The emissions that come from growing one ounce of marijuana, depending on where it's grown in the U.S., is about the same as burning 7 to 16 gallons of gasoline. Most of the world's 20,000 bee species don't call a hive home. These wild species lead solitary lives, and around 70% of them build nests underground where they raise their offspring on the nectar they gather from flowers. 
A new landmark study shows soil pesticides such as neonicotinoids reduce wild bee reproduction by 89%. There was a 59% decrease in sperm counts in Western countries between 1973 and 2011. Worldwide fertility has dropped by 50% between 1960 and 2015. The United States has a total birth rate that is 16% below what it needs to replace itself. Though it is well known that couples are conceiving later and opting to have smaller families, it is thought the fertility issues run deeper than just personal choice. Rates of miscarriage are on the rise, and girls are experiencing earlier and earlier puberties, in some cases before the age of eight. In some parts of the world, the average 20-something woman today is less fertile than her grandmother was at 35. It is thought that ubiquitous endocrine-disrupting chemicals and other environmental pollutants are to blame. Russian mining giant Norilsk Nickel announced on Wednesday it had paid a nearly $2 billion fine for a giant fuel spill in the Arctic last year. Some 20,000 tons of diesel leaked into lakes and rivers near the northern city of Norilsk in May. The fine, ordered by Russian President Vladimir Putin, was the largest compensation paid for environmental damage in the country's history. At least two species of sea slug can amputate their bodies from their heads and then regenerate the body, presumably to rid themselves of internal parasites. It appears the sea slug has dissolved the tissue around its neck and ripped its own head off. Self-amputation, known as autotomy, isn't uncommon in the animal kingdom. Having the ability to jettison a body part such as a tail helps many animals avoid predation. However, no animal has ever been observed ditching its entire body. Scientists expected the slug would die quickly without a heart and other important organs, but it not only continued to live, it also regenerated the entirety of its lost body within just three weeks. And now the sounds of extinction. The greater sage grouse, also known as the sage hen, is the largest grouse in North America. Its range is sagebrush country in the western United States and southern Alberta and Saskatchewan, Canada. It makes use of a complex lek system in mating. Though many male greater sage grouse may display at a lek, only one or two males get picked by a majority of the females for mating. The birds strut, fan their tail feathers, and swell their breasts to reveal bright yellow air sacs while making a weird assortment of booming, swishing, and popping noises, all to attract a hen. The sage-grouse forages on the ground, mainly eating sagebrush, but also other plants and insects, and it has a special stomach to digest the harsh sagebrush. Oil and gas development, overgrazing, sagebrush removal, invasive plants such as cheatgrass and wind energy have degraded this bird's habitat. Sage-grouse numbers have dropped from an estimated 16 million pre-settlement to a few hundred thousand today. Populations have declined by more than 60% over the past five decades. And hear the sound of the greater sage grouse.
Reverend Billy again here. Now, we're going to talk to two very important and brave earth activists. They have set up a climate camp in northern Nevada in Thacker Pass, in the vast sagebrush worlds of antelopes and golden eagles. And they are trying to protect this beautiful place and the mountains on either side of the valley from a lithium mining company that is hell-bent on putting in a 17,000-acre open-pit mine. They're under pressure, of course, to bring lithium to the batteries that will power the new generation of electrical vehicles. Now for General Motors and Ford and Volkswagen, they're all announcing they're going to make that switch. Well, at what cost? They just hope nobody would notice because very few people live out here. But Will and Max are out there. We talked to them last Sunday. Mountains teach us. Mountains talk to us. Max is here. Let's talk to him. Max Wilbert, are you there? Amen. Glad to be here. Are you both here, Max and Will? Well, I think it's just remarkable as hell that you're both talking to me and you're on the side of a mountain that has a name. Where are you precisely? We're in a place in northern Nevada called Thacker Pass. It is about 20 miles west of a tiny little community called Oravada and about 60 miles north of Winnemucca, Nevada. It's a place that is not far from the Oregon border, and it's kind of a quintessential Great Basin landscape with sagebrush steppe in between two mountain ranges and There's not any trees where we are. There's just sagebrush, and the land really cradles you up to the sky, so you see beautiful stars at night and a beautiful changing sky during the day. The sunsets and sunrises are amazing here. It sounds so beautiful. And you have golden eagles. Tell us about some of the life that you have within. The golden eagles definitely merit one of the first mentions. There's a pair of breeding golden eagles in the hills just about a half mile to the northeast of of where we're camped out and we've seen several times them engaged in their in their mating dance which involves them circling for each other for a long time and then coming together um, for intercourse and kind of falling out of the sky as they twist and turn and then they they pull away from each other in a really ritualistic dance. Unbelievable. So they fall down from the heights. They're like falling stars. Max and Will, you're both writers. This is the segue here. And I have it written down, but my notes are pretty... Just correct me if I'm getting it wrong. We have one book is Max's... Max Wilbert, Bright Green Lies. The lie of the big lithium mining company that is under pressure now from General Motors and Ford Company to make lithium for their electrical vehicles, but then they're willing to destroy this ecosystem that you love, this valley, these mountains, to put a uh, open pit mine in there. You also wrote how the environmental movement lost its way and what we can do about it. In that book, Bright Green Lives, we're looking at the problems with this mindset of quote-unquote green consumerism. I don't think that that exists. Obviously, there are more and less ethical choices that we can make as people who have to eat, you know, we have to have clothing, we need certain things to survive. But 
this culture with its relentless advertising and addiction to technology, and addiction to everything that we're sold in these relentless advertising campaigns, it really tries to teach us that the only way to save the planet is by buying more things, which is the exact opposite of what we need to be doing. Somebody gives me an earth here. Tundi, earth We're so glad to have talked to you, Will and Max. And we want to ask you if we'd like to have you back again soon and just track Thacker Pass. Thank you. Thank you very much. We would we'd love to return to the show. Max Wilbert and Will Falk in Thacker Pass. Amen. There's something the information age cannot say. The crisis of the earth is usually reported to us as numbers. A hurricane is a category number, a dramatic wind speed, a cost in the number of dead, and a number of billions of dollars. This is classic for the dot-com era, where public talk is abbreviated, snarky, and wet cats doing chin-ups can go viral like the Ninth Symphony used to. The culture-wide inability to shout emergency. The silencing of our planet criers. We're on schedule to take much of the animal and plant world with us into premature death. Given the scale of the crisis, why isn't every kind of public voice engaged in telling this story? Where is the the art of the comedians? Where are the singer-songwriters? The people with wizardry with words that is more compelling, more compelling than the corporate talk. Where, where are the, where are the... Self-censorship in the information age is a riddle that we must solve. Corporate media steers us toward bogeymen, black males thieving from the local 7-Eleven, jihadists and hackers, the immigrant hordes at our borders, the Greeks and Argentinians who don't respect Wall Street. Meanwhile, climate change kills the poor every day. The Earth's crisis is difficult for the individual to distinguished from corporate marketing, from the exhaustion, from too much work, from too much addiction, too much convenience, which blocks the sensitivity to the living things. The 
something the information age can't say. The crisis of the earth is usually reported to us as numbers. The, cur the hurricanes have a category number, a dramatic wind speed. The cost and the number of dead, the number of billions of dollars. The culture-wide inability to shout emergency. back again to say so long for now. You know, the message here is extinction is underway. It's accelerating. And we don't have a way to measure it, to name it. Obviously, our big old institutions are at a loss to do the right thing. And you and I, we don't have a language for what is happening to us. It's hard to talk about. We do have tenderness and empathy and loyalty. We have love, which is the strongest part of evolution. It's the lesson that comes to us from the natural world and we will make effective action throughout all the violence and breakdown that's coming up for us. If we love, love during extinction, all right, here are the thank yous. The Earthaluya Chorus, Gregory, thank you, mass death without a news anchor. <laughs> a tip of the hat to Gil Scott Heron for his quote, the revolution will not be televised. And the sounds of war and laughter and the superstorm commenting on it all. And then I wish you vastness, unknownness. I wish you peace. That comes from Sunder and Shanika, who composed that song in the last couple days. Dragonfly and the Stop Shopping Church, Nehemiah, Lauren Newman. Thank you for the revolution song. Do you hear a sound in the ground, in the rocks, in the air? Climate change is killing the poor every day. Sir David Attenborough, welcoming us to COP26. We'll see you in Glasgow, Scotland in November. Savitri D, the director of the Church of Stop Shopping, thank you for the news from the natural world and the sounds of extinction. That amazing percussion drum solo from the Sage Grouse. And that is well known to Max and Will talking to us from Thacker Pass. Will, you know, we only have 29 minutes here, but next time we're gonna talk to you. And Max, thank you for taking your turn today. I think that you will succeed. We will be your allies throughout the year. We'd like to talk to you again and again. The Planet Crier song from the Fiery Eagles of Justice, Jason Candler, the editor of these 29 minutes. Thank you on saxophone. And Brendan Burke on the drums, like the sage grouse. Thank you, Brendan. Thank you to the radio stations, the podcast networks that broadcast us out to the world. Thank you to the Times Contrarian 
the newspaper in the Neil Young archives. Check it out. We're on the religion page. Thank you to all of you for being here. If you want to talk to us or donate to the cause, revbilly.com. R-E-V, Victor B-Boy, I-L-L-Y, revbilly.com. And so, earth till we meet again. Amen. <laughs>